War and Peace, Book Thirteen, Chapter Fifteen, read for LibriVox.org by Anna Simon. In the early days of October, another envoy came to Kutuzov with a letter from Napoleon proposing peace and falsely dated from Moscow, though Napoleon was already not far from Kutuzov on the old Kaluga road. Kutuzov replied to this letter as he had done to the one formerly brought by Lauriston, saying that there could be no question of peace. Soon after that, a report was received from Dorokov's guerrilla detachment operating to the left of Tarotino, that troops of Broussier's division had been seen at Farminsk, and that being separated from the rest of the French army, they might easily be destroyed. The soldiers and officers again demanded action. Generals on the staff, excited by the memory of the easy victory at Tarotino, urged Kutuzov to carry out Dorokov's suggestion. Kutuzov did not consider any offensive necessary. The result was a compromise which was inevitable. A small detachment was sent to Farminsk to attack Broussier. By a strange coincidence, this task, which turned out to be a most difficult and important one, was entrusted to Doktorov, that same modest little Doktorov whom no one had described to us as drawing up plans of battles, dashing about in front of regiments, showering crosses on batteries and so on, and who was thought to be, and was spoken of, as undecided and undiscerning, but whom we find commanding wherever the position was most difficult all through the Russo-French wars from Austerlitz to the year 1813. At Austerlitz he remained last at the August Dam, rallying the regiments, saving what was possible when all were flying and perishing, and not a single general was left in the rear guard. Ill with fever, he went to Smolensk with twenty thousand men to defend the town against Napoleon's whole army. In Smolensk, at the Malakov Gate, he had hardly dozed off in a paroxysm of fever before he was awakened by the bombardment of the town, and Smolensk held out all day long. At the Battle of Borodino, when Bagration was killed, and nine-tenths of the men of our left flank had fallen, and the full force of the French artillery fire was directed against it, the man sent there was this same irresolute and undiscerning Doktorov. Kutuzov, hastening to rectify a mistake he had made by sending someone else there first. And the quiet little Doktorov rode thither, and Borodino became the greatest glory of the Russian army. Many heroes have been described to us in verse and prose, but of Doktorov scarcely a word has been said. It was Doktorov again whom they sent to Forminsk, and from there to Maloyaroslavets, the place where the last battle with the French was fought, and where the obvious disintegration of the French army began, and we are told of many geniuses and heroes of that period of the campaign, but of Doktorov nothing or very little is said, and that dubiously, and this silence about Doktorov is the clearest testimony to his merit. It is natural for a man who does not understand the workings of a machine to imagine that a shaving that has fallen into it by chance and is interfering with its action and tossing about in it is its most important part. The man who does not understand the construction of the machine cannot conceive that the small connecting cogwheel which revolves quietly is one of the most essential parts of the machine, and not the shaving which merely harms and hinders the working. On the 10th of October, when Doktorov had gone halfway to Forminsk and stopped at the village of Aristovo, preparing faithfully to execute the orders he had received, the whole French army having, in its convulsive movement, reached Murat's position, apparently in order to give battle. 
suddenly, without any reason, turned off to the left onto the new Kaluga road, and began to enter Fominsk, where only Broussier had been till then. At that time Dokhtarov had under his command, besides Dorkov's detachment, the two small guerrilla detachments of Fikney and Seslavin. On the evening of October 11, Seslavin came to the Aristovo headquarters with a French guardsman he had captured. The prisoner said that the troops that had entered Forminsk that day were the vanguard of the whole army, that Napoleon was there, and the whole army had left Moscow four days previously. That same evening, a house serf who had come from Borovsk said he had seen an immense army entering the town. Some Cossacks of Doktorov's detachment reported having sighted the French guards marching along the road to Borovsk. From all these reports it was evident that where they had expected to meet a single division, there was now the whole French army marching from Moscow in an unexpected direction along the Kaluga road. Doktorov was unwilling to undertake any action, as it was not clear to him now what he ought to do. He had been ordered to attack Forminsk, but only Bruchet had been there at that time, and now the whole French army was there. Ermolov wished to act on his own judgment, but Doktorov insisted that he must have Kutuzov's instructions. So it was decided to send a dispatch to the staff. For this purpose, a capable officer, Bolkovitinov, was chosen, who was to explain the whole affair by word of mouth, besides delivering a written report. Toward midnight, Bolkovitinov, having received the dispatch and verbal instructions, galloped off to the general staff, accompanied by a Cossack with spare horses. End of chapter 15 This recording is in the public domain.